0: Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan C. Adams, and on today's show, we have Jennifer Briney, who is the host of the Congressional Dish Podcast. This show is gonna be a little different. We are gonna talk a little bit about politics today. We're gonna to talk about different acts. We're gonna talk about things happening in Congress. We're gonna talk about some corrupt things going on. We're gonna talk about the things that Jennifer has studied over the past four years, And it's quite interesting. We even talk about the election with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And we talk about marketing. I I really believe like uh, Donald Trump's marketing campaign on, on Facebook, on social media. I don't care your views. If you're Republican, Democrat, you want Hillary or Donald Trump. But we talk about the marketing. And I believe Donald Trump probably had the best marketing campaign in history with his Facebook ads and how it really relates to crowdfunding. And that's one thing that interests me. But we talk about that. And then we go into... Podcasting. So do you want to create a own podcast show? Do you want to create a show where you can make a full-time living? She has been able to do this. And it's quite interesting how she's getting the money. It, she's getting paid in a way that you would never think possible. Um, and she's going to share that on the show. It's not from sponsorship. It's a whole different aspect. And I was blown away. And it really amazed me. But it, it, it's all about adding value. So we're going to go through it as well. So if you want to start a podcast show, you want to make money doing it, you're going to want to listen to this show. Before we go into the show, I want you to go over to BrandonCAdams.com forward slash accelerator and check out my program. I want to accelerate your business in 30 days. I truly do. This is something that's true to me. I love uh, helping people in our program. We have helped people make six figures and less than 30 days and different things that we have taught them. We teach you how to make money with Facebook Live, with Snapchat, how I've been able to do it. We teach you how to become a better speaker, how to be confident, how to press play with just a moment's notice and putting out content out there. We teach you how how to add value to others and how to stand out in your industry. I show you what I've done and honestly, I want to help you become a lot more successful than me and learn from my mistakes because I have made many. The Accelerated Program, um, there's only 20 spots per class and it's very limited so go over to brandoncadams.com forward slash accelerator put in the code CEO and you get $200 off. I hope to see you in there and I really want to see you take your next uh, step to making your business go to a whole new level. Uh, So let's jump right into it with Jennifer Briney. Let's get started. (music) Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Bernice Adams, and on today's show, we have Jennifer Briney. What is going on, Jennifer? Not too much.
1: Thanks for having me this
0: this early morning. This early morning. (laughs) We've been talking for like 25 minutes, and I'm finally going to press play because we got talking about the election. We got talking about Congress. We got talking about a lot of things that got me fired up. Anybody listening, you know me. You've seen some of my posts lately, like people like, I lost 100 friends in 24 hours, which... They weren't really friends, they were like Facebook friends. But we had a lot to talk about, but I have things I want to like ask you today because you told me about your podcast show and how it's funded, which really interests me, but I want to first go back. Jennifer, tell me when you first got started, like maybe it was selling lemonade or selling popcorn or whatever you're doing in your early days, like where you first started as an entrepreneur and where it led you to where you are right today sitting in your seat.
1: You know what's funny is even though I'm a I am a successful entrepreneur I'm making enough money to sustain myself and keep my show going. Um, I never really did any kind of business before this. with that, that, I was running on my own. I always worked for other people to make money. Um, what, what did you do that that gave you like insight? Like, what are some of the experiences? Like, you were
0: corporate. Like, what did you do and what did you learn yeah. from that experience?
1: Well, I mean, I can say that this journey all started when I went to Germany in the beginning of 2003. I was honestly trying to escape a bad breakup, (laughs) so I was in college, and I just wanted to get the hell away from that guy, so I moved to Germany, you know, not an overreaction at all, and I lived there for about five months, and during that time, our government started a war. And so I got to see that from a completely different perspective. And at the time, I didn't realize, you know, how life changing that was going to be. But in Germany, people were asking questions all the time. You go into a bar, they would hear that you're American because we're the loudest people in the world. And they would come up and be like, why are you starting the war? And I'd be like, I don't know. Like, I'm 19. What? Like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> So I was embarrassed that I didn't understand what my own country was doing when people all over the world were protesting it and understood so much more than I did. And so from my own shame, that's when I started asking questions. It was really then. And then when I came home, um, I learned by watching the news here that we were not being told things that we were being told in Germany. And so that was just, it was an accidental revelation. I was like, oh my God, our media is not being honest with us. This is insane. And so for the rest of my time in college, I focused really intensely on just trying to figure out what's going on in the world and why the media is the way it is. And, um, and then I graduated and needed health insurance. <laughs> and so and this was like pre-Obamacare. So I was 22. I had to get my insurance like immediately. I couldn't wait till I was twenty-six. So I started working in the apartment building I was living in. It was a giant company. If you live in an apartment, you might even live in one of their units. And it was a soul-sucking corporate job that I was very good at. They promoted me almost immediately, but I hated it with a fiery passion. Oh. It was awful. And so eventually my boss slash very good friends were still good friends. She was like, Jen, you hate this. Just quit. She's like, find something else you want to do. I mean, you're not making that much money here. And it was true. I was making like $35,000 a year. And in California, I could do that waiting tables. And so I did that waiting. Table. <laughs> um, in fact, I made more waiting tables, which is ugh, so disturbing. But, yeah, so for years I was waiting tables trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, we went back to Europe again for a while. I I worked in Hawaii and did weird jobs. I was really just sustaining. But the whole time I was still reading books about, you know, the Bush administration, why they did what they did. I was, you know, kind of watching C-SPAN in my free time like all, you know, cool people do. And, um And so finally, I was at this point, I was working at people's weddings, like setting up the photo booth things, (laughs) which was super fun. But um, but I was watching C-SPAN and just like cleaning my house before going to work. And I saw Tom Cole of Oklahoma, still in Congress, he slipped something into an energy and water funding bill that protected secret campaign contributions, and then got on TV and bragged about it on C-SPAN. And so I'm sitting there going like, there's no way I actually heard this right, Like, that couldn't be it. So the next day, I went online, looked in the congressional record, he actually did do that. I found I found his words, because you can actually look up what people say on the House floor, there's a transcript and then there's the bill itself. And it was exactly what I thought it was. And I went online to see what the news had said about it the night before. The news didn't say anything. And to my surprise, neither did anybody else. There wasn't a single article. There wasn't a single blog post. There was nothing. So it was like it never even happened. And so that's when the light bulb kind of went off. And it was like, how many times does this happen? And I started looking into the congressional record regularly and found that it happens all the time. And so I looked at my own skill set and what I can do in this world, and I said, okay, well, no one's talking about this. I can at least talk about this, even if I don't understand what's going on in Congress. So my shtick became like I, I figured out how to podcast all that. But for the first two years, because I knew nothing about Congress, <laughs> I figured I would learn if I read every bill that passed the House of Representatives. And boy, did I.
0: <laughs> so, so you you learn them, and then now on your show you talk about that. So I want to go through some stuff that really – I'm just really interested about it. So like I'm looking here. So what is the last minute government funding? Like what the tactic that allows scandalous bills to secretly become laws?
1: So this is something that I've seen all four years, which really it's shocking. But the way the government's supposed to be funded is that 12 committees are supposed to carefully craft 12 different funding bills that 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 together will fund the entire government. But we're supposed to have 12 bills. I've never seen this actually happen instead what happens is they make these really partisan bills that never get past Obama's veto pen and so right at the last minute usually past the last minute because the government's supposed to be funded by September 30th and this year they just continued last year's numbers and so on December 9th is our new government funding crisis and what they've been doing is these two thousand page giant bills that fund the entire government all at once um, last year when they did this I had less than two days to read the, these two thousand bills along with the people in congress. I mean, I watched the one hearing that took place on this this new law and there were people in the back like furiously highlighting. So the people in congress don't even have time to see what's in it. And because of this must-pass situation, you end up getting a lot of congressmen attaching things to these government funding laws that wouldn't be signed into law otherwise. So these these government funding laws become vehicles to have terrible things become law. So um like last year we got CISA yeah. Which is something the internet was really against, and um it basically gives immunity to any private company to transfer our information to the government and um it's that, written so broad that that's what that's against the law, right Not anymore. Not since last year's government funding law. No, all private companies have immunity. It has to be for cyber threat indicators. But when you look at the definition of cyber threat indicators, that is anything that could be threatened by a cyber hack, which is anything digital. So because that's so broad, I mean, they have they have immunity for transferring a lot of information about us. And that information can be used against us in court. So, um, wow. I love the government we have. So the next one I want to talk about is the
0: IRS scandal, like the investigation that was really about protecting dark money in politics. Um, It was
1: going on because they're trying to impeach the IRS commissioner. So that whole IRS scandal had to do with 501 C 4 social welfare organizations. So here's, here's the thing about contributing to campaigns if you do it as a political organization you're tax exempt you're fine but you have to disclose your donors If you do it as a social welfare organization, which is in theory supposed to be like you know an educational organization, and so that's why they're tax exempt, but they also don't have to disclose their donors. And so what we're having going on in this country is that political organizations are pretending to be social welfare organizations, so they don't have to disclose their donors. And to just show you how widespread this is, Carl Rhodes Crossroads GPS, I mean everybody knows Carl Rove, his super PAC, is a 501 C 4 social welfare organization as is priorities USA which was the super PAC Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton so this is a bipartisan dirty trick and the IRS was cracking down on this and so in order to stop these investigations this whole scandal was invented and they pretended that the IRS was targeting only conservative organizations which was not true but in the tea party wave there were more conservative organizations signing up at that time because they were just coming into existence and so they were outnumbered by the liberal ones but every investigation has says that this wasn't a partisan thing it really wasn't but the investigation like the the intimidation of the IRS continues and so do the social welfare organizations that raised almost half a billion dollars for Trump and Hillary alone no no with Trump and Hillary combined you're looking at three-quarters of a billion dollars um, from, wow. you know, from all organizations. But a big chunk of that is this dark money that gets funneled through these social web So,
0: I mean, we, we just got down to the election. Um, Donald Trump is the president. Hillary didn't make it. I, I mean, you know, this better than me. So the funding, so talk about like the funding, how people get funded and, you know, there's talk about how Hillary goes and gets paid. Like, I don't know, like, $18
1: million for her speeches. Yeah. Like <laughs> a lot
0: of money for a speech and yeah. then Trump for a while. I mean say he's funded everything and then he was raising so like what does that look like how do these uh politicians like how do they raise so much money and who who's giving the money i mean from what i know it's you have these big companies who want in their favor and they give one side a lot of money so they can in favoritism so what does that look like what are the things that they do to raise this money the corrupt things the things and also for the hillary thing i'm curious about the speaking where she goes and speaks and she gets paid a lot of money
1: Well, that was separate. So that really didn't have to do anything with her campaign. That was her being stupid and arrogant and thinking that we wouldn't mind that in her time between secretary of state and running for president, she went and was just doing these speeches. And ordinarily, they were like half hour speeches and she'd get paid a quarter of a million dollars, which sounds like soft bribery to me. And I think it sounded like that to a lot of people. uh, So really, it's in, in fairness, I mean, it's
0: a speaking fee. But I mean, who I don't think I would be inspired by that for a quarter million. So like basically a big company wants her to come in, but it's really paying a favor for in the future.
1: I mean, that's how I see it. I I do think that that's a part of it. But that's the thing. This happens over and over again. So you'll see these like campaign fundraisers. They're parties that are thrown by big companies in someone's honor. It's all very you know, it's ego stroking um, action and lobbyists and so come
0: in and then they may- make them feel good. It's- they do, and I
1: actually got to talk to Jack Abramoff. He was my 100th episode, and we had a fascinating conversation. He's a really nice guy, and um, and his whole strategy was I make friends with these people, so it's a softer kind of corruption than we kind of imagine, like handing over bags full of cash. It doesn't really work that way. It works more like you become friends with these people who have positions of power, and then you can just get into a conversation, and they look to you for advice because they have to pass, as I know, they have to pass way more bills than they can possibly digest so they do look to lobbyists for information and if the lobbyists are people they consider trusted friends there you go and then, and then, they then favor you their get company money too it's yeah sense. yeah
0: so i've been to i have a couple friends that are senators and i've been to like the parties and then the lobbyists come in and they're like they're stroking the, the senator and like oh i'm so thankful you're in all, i mean congrats all this stuff but they're they pick people from different companies come in and like you said they they become friends with them but then yes if they're going to go to them for advice i mean obviously they're going to give advice that's in favoritism towards what they want yeah i mean that's our system so so it is so, but
1: it's not our system this is a perversion of our system and i think it's because we've stopped paying attention and knowing what's going on and so I think a lot of us we know in our gut that the whole thing is corrupt. I don't think we know the details yet, which is why that IRS scandal story got so much, you know everybody thinks that there was some kind of corruption. So, so, so there. let's but, talk about
0: the money again. Let's go back like yeah. the money. So the, the candidates raise the money, like how are they raising money? Like what is the main way of them funding? and the different routes how do they raise some i mean they're raising hundreds of millions of dollars to run for president this last election i imagine the most money was spent ever in marketing Um,
1: i heard 2.4 billion i don't think we have the the final numbers yet because the election was just this week but that's kind of the total that's being kicked around is 2.5 billion dollars spent on advertising to us to influence our votes in this election
0: so who pays for that like for one i mean donald trump's a billionaire but hillary clinton i mean You don't get paid much to be in office. I mean, what, what, Mm -hmm. where, where is that money coming from?
1: It's coming from all over the place. It's coming from these dark money groups and super PACs. It's coming from you and me. If you contribute twenty bucks to someone, you're included in that two point five bill. It's coming from companies and industries, and it's. But what's more fascinating to me than where it's coming from is where it's going. Um, Yeah, where is it going? (laughs) It's going to influence our votes. Mm that's what it's going towards it's going towards that crap that's in your mailbox right now that you are in your recycling I'm sure cuz none of us actually read it it's going towards um, the media the media made about two billion dollars on this election which shows you 2.5 billion raised 2 billion to the media And it's going to those ads. We've all seen the ads. You couldn't get away from them. So um, you have to remember that when you talk about the media and why they cover things Mm -hmm. and why they don't cover certain things, they are very much involved. The corporate media I'm, I'm talking about specifically, but they are the beneficiaries of this corrupt system, they are inevitably getting the money, and all of the money is going towards convincing you to vote a certain way. So, at the at the the base of this system, our votes still matter more than anything because that's what all the money. So is I want
0: to I want to sh- I really <coughs> want to share this because this is going to be something that the audience will really get a lot of, and you'll know, and it really ties into crowdfunding. So and I, yeah. So people won't believe. So like so. I talk about how to raise money through crowdfunding for Kickstarter and a GoGo, but some of the biggest crowdfunding campaigns in history, I mean, when Obama ran for president, he raised a lot of money. Uh, the majority of his donations were one of $5. He was targeting college students. <clears throat> then you got Donald Trump and Hillary now. Did you see Donald Trump's ads on Facebook?
1: Um, No.
0: Well... Well, maybe uh, – see, I'm a Donald Trump guy, so like they went to me. So Donald Trump had ads. I also
1: don't participate in, in Facebook that much. So OK. So, well, yeah. that, that
0: could be it. So these ads would go and he would have these things like, hey, let's make America great again and pledge today. Let's get to this goal. And it, I even got his email list. You click on it and it, you could easily donate. But he didn't just ask for money. He actually had things he would get in return. So you would get a, a book from him. You would get a hat from him. And then like when you actually donated – if you wanted to donate, let's say $144, it would go towards a 90-second commercial ad. And like he said a tangible – and this is going to lead into what we're going to talk to you with your podcast show is one thing I've learned is people don't just give you money. They want something in return mm-hmm. unless you're given experience. But what he showed is he's given you things in return and also he showed exactly where your money was going because when you think about politics, you donate – And where does the money go? Like where is it? So I believe one successful thing he did, whether you like Hillary, you like Donald Trump, whoever you like, one thing he had from his marketing campaign, which I believe is the most genius marketing campaign I've seen in history, is his Facebook ads that showed you exactly where your money was going. And I guarantee you he raised a lot of fucking money for that process because for me, if that was a crowdfunding campaign, I learned – I actually learned from his campaign some strategies that we use for just marketing products. Which yeah. it was genius to see where that goes and comes from. So we, before the show, were talking about your show. So you've got a podcast show. It's called The Congressional Dish, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So how long ago did you start doing that?
1: I started doing it almost exactly four years ago. So you, wow, you've been doing it for a while now. How many episodes mm-hmm. are you in? I just published my 138th episode. That, wow.
0: So you're doing tw- two a month or?
1: well that 's kind of been all over the place, yeah, because um, in the beginning i didn't know what I was doing on any level, so i um so the schedule i've really figured out in the last Congress right now i 'm doing I can handle doing two a month because they 're very research heavy, but i 'm hoping to kind of change it in the next Congress to where I can pump out some more because there's going to be so much happening so right now i 'm doing two a month we 'll see what happens going forward so but, this
0: yeah. this is one thing, so you podcast full time a lot of people that even go in my accelerator program or people that I, I, I talk to, like they want to know how to, to make a living with their podcast show. Yeah. How do you make money podcasts? And Some people do sponsorship. Some people sell packages. Um, for me, I just promote my own things. Um, and I don't think anybody would want to sponsor me when I say the F word every, <laughs> every once in a while. It works for Bill Burr and Joe Rogan. It works for us. So. But so for you, what's interesting is you – and there's a, a service out there called Patreon. Or you can raise money from the crowd, they'll sponsor per show. But for you, what you do is people actually give you money. You have a PayPal account set up and they will give you money for your show because they like the show. So what's that look like? How does that process, how do you even think about that process? Because you're making a full-time living from doing that.
1: Well, I mean, one of the reasons, this is a really tough business model to build So, I mean, you're not going to be successful in this right away. It's taken me four years. And actually, for the first year, I didn't ask for money. So the money part has taken me three years to build. And um, I give people options. I go to where they are to make it easy for them to donate. So I have a PayPal account. I now have Patreon because people are asking for it. Um, I have a P.O. box where people send, like, actual physical checks. And then I also have an Amazon search box. That's the only sort of corporate relationship that I have because they don't require me to do any advertising for them. Um, It's just a commission structure. So if people go through my website into Amazon, then whatever they buy, I get a commission. So that's a free way for people to contribute. So I basically give people those options. And then if someone says, hey, I want to use like Chase QuickPay, can you set it up on your end? Like, sure. (laughs) So, you know, it's like however you want to pay me, I'm there. It's fine. And um, but that's the key. It's I'm providing a product. It's a different way of thinking about it. I'm providing a product and giving it away up front. And I'm saying you get to try it out first, but then I expect you to contribute whatever you think is fair. And then people do. And it's, it's interesting to see the different numbers that people pick and the way that they want to contribute. There's people that have very convoluted ways of contributing. Like they'll do a paper check for this and then a PayPal for this. And then they'll send in bonuses with different, like, there's different numbers that mean things to them. It's amazing to see why people choose the things that they choose. But it's that's part of the fun, you know. It's just I put it up to them. This is this is value and you get to determine what so, that value so is. So so
0: how do you get that? What's that look like uh, on the show? So what do you say in the show that gets them to go to that?
1: So my structure is I don't bother with any of this until my content is over. So when you turn on Congressional Dish, you hear what you want to hear. There's nothing about funding. But the minute I'm done, I'll say, you know, this is a listener-supported podcast. We operate on the value go- for value model here, which means that I'm giving you the product up front, and you're expected to contribute whatever you think is fair for this. And then I list the ways that people can contribute. And sometimes I'll switch it around a little bit. Like, it was away. fun. Like, there's one that I found really – this was really effective, which is they cha- – so when you have a cable subscription, like you'll pay like $85 a month just for basic cable, Right. But what that's going for is that every station, you're paying a little bit of money for. And I found out, this was years ago, so it's probably more, but people are paying $1.50 for Fox News. And so I said, if you're learning more about Congress here than you are on Fox News then this is probably worth at least a dollar fifty, because that's what you're paying in your cable bill. And I was getting dollar fifties all over the place. and I was getting like $15 for like 10 times more than Fox News and people went wild with that. So it's like if I can Smart. find some kind of comparison, I'll throw that in there. But then after that, so I, I tell people, this is how you contribute. And then I say, and now I want to thank the people who are contributing. And then I just go down the list and sometimes it takes a while, sometimes it doesn't. But um, that's why I get to interact with the people who are producing my show. So you
0: shout out their names on the show too, right?
1: And I read their letters and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that for all of them. I might have to have a cutoff because there was one the other day. It was like an hour and a half. I was like, this is too long. But, but yeah, right now I'm reading every letter that comes in and responding to it. Wow.
0: What's your biggest contributor?
1: Uh, How much? Well, right now we have Sean who's contributing $250 a month. He's the most consistent. And that's – someone launched the Congressional Dish Arms Race. So on the website, you can see who the top three monthly contributors are. And Sean still – he's still reigning supreme up there. So that's awesome. So this
0: is one model and people can take a lesson for this and it's interesting. So people are paying you to create the show but you're adding the value first and i always say like give value first and then return they'll pay you so they love it and then you're asking for the sale and then they're giving what they think it's worth and yes. you've built up an audience now where i mean you're making enough money a month where you can sustain this and it is your full-time thing
1: it's my full-time job and now i'm at the the point of hiring help so i now have an audio engineer so i'm not editing the whole show myself um and i'm in the process of training a new assistant to do some of the
0: you know
1: like the the easy work that doesn't need to be done by me and um, and then hopefully, you know, once I can get some of this busy work off of my plate, that's when I'm hoping to produce more episodes or bring more people on for content because there's so many committees and there's so many bills. I can't possibly cover all of it and there's so much that needs to be talked about. So I'm in the expanding
0: I, I agree. Well, it's it's good. You do what you're good at. You do the, the talking part and then don't – the other stuff, set aside and then you can grow and maybe
1: you'll be doing four shows a month. I don't know. Um, that's what I'm hoping to get back to. I tried it last year. In November of last year, I changed the structure of the show away from reading every bill because I was really making myself insane. And, um, and so I went to a weekly format of just talking about like certain topics but that was still too much. So that's – I think – my mental make breakdown <laughs> was in March, and uh, I went to Mexico. And then when I came back from Mexico, I was like, okay, I'm going to do two a month because I need to have a life outside of this. And, um, and not coincidentally, I'm going back to Mexico on Sunday because this election has me Looney Tunes. Um, what part of Mexico? Puerto Vallarta. All uh, inclusive. I've been
0: to Mazatlan 12 times. I love it there, but I need to go to Puerto Vallarta.
1: Fort of is awesome, and Southwest goes there now, so that well, was kind of the ticker.
0: Well, I need to do that. Maybe my birthday's coming up for New Year's Eve. I think maybe I'll go to Mexico. I'm actually, I'm looking to go somewhere. I just don't know where yet. Uh, uh, so, if anybody have you, you got suggest- some also- I, you know, I haven't because like, I, I've always done like, I like to go out. I don't like to stay right there. I like to go to different places and venture. But I mean, I, I maybe I should. I, I looked at doing a, a Luke Bryan concert in January, and it's in Mexico. And it's all-inclusive, drinks, everything, and like the rock. It's awesome, but it's like – I think it's like five grand a pop or something. I don't know. Which, I mean, I could do it, but it just – I'm a cheap ass.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, what I loved about the reason we're doing this is they had some kind of like special for Thanksgiving. So my husband and I, for two people are paying 160 a night. It's like ridiculous. That's that is cheap. (laughs) I know for all inclusive. So, well, well,
0: I enjoyed this show. I enjoyed this is a different touch for what I'm used to before we leave. I want you to share like what is like the one thing out of all this you've been studying this for four years. What have you learned? Like what's a key takeaway that can really for people listening give them some insight on life or just um, success or anything?
1: I mean the key takeaway for me like just as a a business owner is that if you're providing something that you want to see exist in the world – Other people probably want to see it exist too. Um, I had a lot of people tell me no one gives a shit about Congress. And then you can never make money in podcasting. That was a big one in 2012 when people are like, no one's making a living in podcasting. Why do you think you will? And I'm like, right. then I'll be the first. So it's like I just had this idea. I wanted to see it exist. I made it exist. And apparently other people are are in on it too. So if you have a good idea, run with it. Amen to
0: that. Amen to that. So where can people find you? Where can they listen to your podcast show?
1: So if you listen to podcasts, I'm available anywhere podcasts are found congressional but I also have a standalone app. So if you have an iPhone or an Android, you can go to the the app store or Google Play and look up Congressional Dish. And that gives you my show notes because that's the most valuable thing that I do. I don't expect anyone to trust me. They don't know me. So I back up everything that I say. If I read a bill, I outline it. If I I talk about an article, it's there for you. If I watch a hearing, it's there for you. And that comes straight to your phone with the app. And then you can also find the podcast on congressionaldish.com. And if you want to talk to me, I'm a Twitter fan. And you can find me at Jen Briney.
0: Love it. I love it. I'm, I'm going to have to take a listen to your podcast just to hear what it's like. I mean, it, it's very interesting to me, and I, I love the fact that you're, you're making a full-time income from it. Kudos to you. Um, thank- well, for
1: your first episode, and this is for everybody, check out the one I just did. It's called the, um, the Story of the 114th Congress, and that's where I kind of summarize any, everything that happened in the last two years. It's a good, It's a good summary. It's called The Story everyone. of what? Of the 114th Congress.
0: Story of the 114th Congress. I will have to check that out. It's a
1: good place to start.
0: Hey, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. For everybody listening, you know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brendan C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show, Jennifer Briney. Maybe you have some different views. Uh, Maybe that show made you a little mad. Uh, There's a lot of things that we talked about on there, but it's interesting to me. I mean, with the politics and the, the politicians and everything going on, um, there's some good things to take away from there about our country. Um, and I always like to learn new things, and you should too, to get unique, unique uh, perspective on things from different experts. And it can really help you with your creative process of thinking of things for your own business. So if you want to check out the show notes and everything we talked about, summarize at brennantadams.com. You can find the show notes on Jennifer and the show. And also, if you haven't connected with me yet on Snapchat, please do so, btadams 18 reach out snap me tell me what your business is tell me what you do tell me what drives you what are your goals i will message you back i'll send you a video back i promise and uh if you stamp me i'll give you some kind of special offer i don't know what it is but i'll think of it but when you do ask about it i'll i'll give you something in return because i like to help people i like to connect with people and again if you haven't checked my accelerator out go to brenncadams.com forward slash accelerator you want a life-changing experience That is it. I'll accelerate your business in 30 days or less. So check that out. That is it for today's show, everyone. You know what time it is? It is time to go out there, create something great, become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Bernice Adams. Have a great day, everyone.